Off the ball. He is desperate to beat Shearer's record. There's no doubt about that. If he does beat Shearer's record, that record may last forever. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Hurling on Off the Ball. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. Now we're going to turn to the action yesterday. Very happy to say Christy O'Connor, journalist and author, is with us. Christy, great to talk to you. Yeah, you too, Joe. How's life? Great. I had your brother on yesterday doing live updates and uh, it's fair to say impartiality went out the window during one of his reports when he started screaming, ref, that's definitely a free RF, come on. Disgusted at full time, but uh, we'll get into all that in a moment. And David Herity, five All-Irelands with Kilkenny, managing Kildare these days. David, great to have you on. Come on, Joe. How are you keeping? Yeah, very well. So I think at this stage, people are well aware of the drama of yesterday. Kilkenny 4-21, Galway 2-26. A goal in the sixth minute of injury time, doing the damage. And then in Munster, again, the finest of margins. Limerick 1-23, Clare 1-22. Can we go big picture for a moment, fellas? I thought the uh, best line of the weekend was own Cody in his speech. And they say there's no hurling in Leinster. So... Uh, how would you compare the two games, Christy, if we take them as uh, a showpiece of what both provinces have to offer in their respective finals? Yeah, well, obviously, Joe, I was at the, the Munster final. I, I just got the, the Leinster final on TV. Um, like, there, there, was, like, there was definitely a sense that the Munster final was nowhere near as competitive, as, in, as intense, as um, hard-hitting. Like, you know, like, there was a lot of tension there yesterday. You know, a lot of pressure on Limerick to win the Munster title in their own backyard. A lot of pressure, I suppose, on Clare to try and win a fourth Munster title in 25 years. Um, you know, you could definitely sense that that tension maybe got to the players a little bit. Um, like Clare's conversion rate was nowhere near what it needed to be to beat Limerick. Um, and I think, look, at from from a, you, could, you compare it to the Leinster final, Joe, I, I, I couldn't say, sometimes you have to really be at a game to, to get a real sense of, you know, the quality as opposed to judging it off TV. But, um, like, yeah, I think, look, at the biggest thing with the Leinster final for me was that, like, it threatened, the game threatened to get away from Galway big time early in the second half. You were kind of wondering, could this really get ugly for Galway going eight points down? And then, you know, to haul it back, um, you know, led by Conor Whelan, who was, was unbelievable, really, like, 1-6 from play, 1-2 assists. Um, but, like, in terms of quality, I suppose you have to look at this in a broader picture, um, Joe, in terms of, when you look at what the Munster Championship has produced mm. compared to the Leinster Championship this year, and I suppose this is an age-old debate now where, you know, you're asking, you know, is the Leinster Championship, they go and had that saying about, they're saying there's no hurling in Leinster. Of course there's hurling in Leinster, but in terms of the bigger picture, what have the Munster sides expended this year compared to maybe what the likes of Galway, Dublin and Kilkenny have expended? And, you know, how much emotionally and physically is that going to take out of Clare yesterday? Um and like you could argue that the biggest losers yesterday were Galway. When you look at the route, they now have to go to, you know, more than likely Tipper playing awfully, more than likely that's going to be Tip. Then they're going to have to win that. They're going to have to play Limerick. Um, Kilkenny, I suppose, are going in now in a good position. Clear. the big question is what are they going to learn from last year? Because they just physically and emotionally never recovered from that defeat last year to, to Limerick after extra time. So you could say the Clare probably are going into the semi-final or the quarter-final now. In a better position, you know, to finish the game really well, Joe. Like you were, there was a stage maybe with 15, 20 to go where you were wondering, could this be a you know seven or eight point defeat? You know, clear dug in, probably had a chance, should have had a chance to level it, had momentum to finish the game, or you know, finish the game with momentum. So, but in terms of your question about the quality, like 
what have the Munster sides expended compared to what the Leinster sides have expended? Like, there's no there's no comparison between them in terms of the quality. Like, you can't say that the Leinster championship is on a par with Munster because you know you just don't have the same volume of high caliber teams. There's obviously a lot more jeopardy in Munster when you have five teams looking for three spots. You know, um, you know, you no nobody's going to argue that Westmead, Antrim, you know, Wexford, Dublin are on the same level. Maybe that the teams in Munster have. And the other side of this is that Dublin now, Carlo. You know, awfully Leinster teams are going in. The, the, the Joe McDonough teams have had a three-week break, so you could say that they're well set now. Where where are the Munster teams in terms of where Limerick have the four-week break, which is really the biggest prize from yesterday. So where are the Munster teams? Are still hard to know, Joe. Oh, and I think uh, to be fair, sorry, um, David. To be fair to Own Cody, there's no doubt. Yeah, like there's no argument between. Leinster and Munster championships on the whole but if we just take the two finals yesterday the two respective games the, you know the best two that Munster had to offer this year versus the best two that Leinster had to offer this year how would you compare the quality that you saw? I thought in comparison to the 2022 last year's Leinster final that was one of the worst games uh, I think we've ever seen kind of the quality of it there wasn't there were very few goal scoring chances there was no bit of atmosphere whatsoever to face on Saturday evening there was just no hype to the so the whole Leinster final this year was completely different. Um, it kind of it did feel, regardless if you're being truthful, it felt like the minor match after the senior match. Really, uh, when you're when you're kind of setting up your whole day, the first half, you know, you're kind of barely getting into the Kenny game. You're kind of coming down off the whole last minute and a half of the 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 Le Munster final, whether it was a free or whether it wasn't a free, and then you're straight away into the Kenny game, uh, Kenny Galway game. But I actually thought the last 15 minutes of the the Kenny Galway game was the Leinster final was probably better than the actual Munster final. As I thought myself, I thought the quality of hurling, the point scoring, the, the the chances that they were created on either end, I actually thought for this this year, the final fifteen minutes were just as exciting. And it was nice for the way it finished off. But you know, that argument has always been around the Munster hurling, Munster hurling versus Leinster hurling. Munster hurling is <clears throat> is more competitive. It's more appealing to watch. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how anyone could with a straight face can ever tell you mm. anything different. But it's the fact that, like when Kilkenny played Galway, you know, you think back to 2014, the draw and match, and then the replay. Even the the year that Dublin bet Kilkenny in, in 13 after the replay in Port Leash. Once the Leinster final is in Crow Park, it's never going to be as exciting. It's never going to feel like it's as exciting, regardless of the game. Even when you had that replay in, in 2018 in Central Stadium uh, between Galway and Kilkenny, it just feels like it's more exciting once it's out of Crow Park. A half field of Crow Park on any day yeah. just saps the energy. And I, I still think if you were to ask, follow up the question and go, should the Leinster final be outside of Crow Park? I'd say no. I think anyone is giddy. Any player whatsoever wants to play in Crow Park. Regardless if there was four people on it, in it, you'd still want to play there. It's just that incredible feeling. And it's... And again, the preparation-wise, if it is clear that come through the back door and Kenny have to play them, Kenny have that experience in Crow Park time and time again, and it's uh, it it obviously should or could stand to them again in a semi-final. Well, let's um, stick with Leinster then a moment. So, obviously, Kilkenny, the big winners, All Ireland semi-final, four weeks time, the likes Adrian Mullen. Uh, Richie Reid, Mikey Carey was ill um, and a couple of others have a bit of time now to come back for a semi-final. Limerick into a semi-final as well and similarly Keane Lynch and others have a bit of time and they can really focus their season as two games left. Uh, we'll come to Clare in due course, Christy. I take your point about the energy expended in Munster but uh, David, I would definitely have that sense that Galway, I mean, they're in massive trouble here. That's a heartbreaking way to lose the game. Uh, the goals they conceded 
in different ways were all really soft and really terrible goals to concede and that has to be a big worry and now they're staring down the barrel of most likely Tipperary a Tipperary side who are you know they've shown what they can do this year and they are disgusted that they threw away a Munster final appearance and they've been sitting on that for several weeks now get over that hurdle and then you've got Limerick and then you're into a final I don't know that feels like first nail in the coffin Galway how do you see it? So the thing is, when you kind of look at, at Henry Sheffern's um, interview after the match there yesterday, he was quite upbeat about it. Like, first of all, he goes, I'm very proud of the way um, uh, the players played and we look forward to it and we regroup. But and I know I know a lot of managers do say that, but generally you can feel, you know, you nearly feel that it's just empty words. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 they don't mean it. But Henry just, he kind of seemed to go, we'll get back at it and we'll have to, we'll have to. As in, this is where we're at. It's, it's he knows himself the job that he has to to do it, the biggest thing for them, then straight away, um, and the focus in you talk about the the goals. Oh, I thought that was the that's the toughest thing at the moment for any manager coming. Like when Henry's only after only in the job, and it is only a year. He hasn't even done the kind of the second year, the full second year. He has to go along and get so many things right. The culture, the backroom team, first of all, he's get all the players. So he's probably after ring, after ringing about eighty players. That's year one and getting the backroom team. Then then the the obviously trying to sort out who he wants to keep on, changing up everything. And then you're kind of getting really into year two, into your tactics and nailing that down. Yesterday is kind of, is going to be a massive eye-opener to the goals that he conceded, that Galway conceded. I thought it was very naive defending. For me, it kind of, um, the, the biggest difference I would have always seen with, I suppose, the Kenny defence, from my own point of view, in goal um, and a lot of the other defense, defences, they always the other defenders always seem to be marking their own men. They always only seem to care about their own defender, uh, and it seemed that way yesterday. Obviously, behind the goal, you could see this that when the ball was coming in, they were very very touch tight. The Galway defenders they were nearly getting sucked out the field, even though there was massive holes being left wide open. The likes of Dahi Burke, I thought there just seemed to be miscommunication. Either it's there's no communication coming from Ana Murphy behind them, or else. He, he can't hear it and obviously that can happen sometimes in Crow Park but for the goal for Wally Welch's goal and for Mikey Butler's goal twice he made the run to try and cut off the angle he had been released I think it was Marcy was cutting across that's where your keeper has to shout for your centre back to go cut that off cut off the angle but it wasn't he went full throttle then he eased off and that gave Wally Welch then that kind of the still open space then to finish it off and the same with Mikey uh Mikey Butler, if you, if you watch those goals, you'll just see you'll see him easing off. And that just, again, you have to go back. That's the big thing that they're going to have to try and hone in on. And, and, again, and David, even, the, even sorry to interrupt, even the Kyogen goal, that's just, that's two on two yeah. in the full back line. Two Galway defenders go up, Crafty, Kilkenny, one goes up, one stays down, break, goal. And look, I know there's a freakish quality to the, to the Buckley goal, but in hindsight, you think, where's the kind of composure to kill the ball one way or another? Do you know, I know, I know everyone's saying I kick it out over the line, they ha- and they definitely had chances. If you scrap what happened in the, into the corner, you look across and you freeze frame it when Donnelly got the ball. Yeah. King Kenny's free on the 21, and Killian Buckley's free 25 yards out. Like, if you look at, at Jason Flynn is standing, marking someone out around midfield, you're thinking, you've got to get back and defend the D. Like, you have to, again, uh, that's what I'd be critical of. Mm. Uh, keeper-wise, you have to make sure your defensive awareness, if you freeze frame it, there's enough bodies, Galway's bodies back there, but who is marking who? If you're a midfielder, and again, I know Connor Whelan was back in the corner even again, I know Cooney was, 
with your half forwards, corner forward, someone's got to get back and realize my co- the co- kick any cornerback is not dangerous. Yeah. Or the centre back is it. Get back into where the danger is. And I know obviously Parkman it, it was a it's it's a terrible kick. And obviously a hundred things happened in that thirty seconds for the goal to go in. Yeah. But just that bit of cuteness again and that that again as I said, if you look at Limerick, would that have happened? They probably not. They would have had like they've had before their last year in the semi final to bring back Kyle Hayes in case a high ball is coming into the square. They just know how to kill off a game, mm. what to do. Uh, in those final few minutes and Galway are just they're still on that that journey because they're only a year and a half into a new management yeah Galway Christy do you care to make the case or would you share the big concern that it's it's too difficult to root now and they've too much to get on top of well this was the biggest challenge you know, was like the inconsistency and trying to earn out those inconsistencies which have plagued them really and you know to win the other they have to win three big games you know which is a big ask like of any team and it's probably a bigger ask now Galway when you know, they haven't done that. Like even in, you know, even the, the Dublin game, the last, uh, you know, round robin game, like they were just, they were non-existent really in the first half. Dublin kind of did with the light for long periods. And that's been a kind of a team, you know, it was there again yesterday where they're just kind of letting other teams get, get a grip. And then they seem to be chasing. When you're chasing the whole time, you know, it does, you know, it kind of leads, breeds that kind of inconsistent kind of, uh, I suppose, just confidence more than anything. Because I think with, with Galway, Joe, a lot of it seems to be down to belief. Where you know, um, like you know, you see that even with the way they struggle to bring for, bring through their their these unbelievable players that are underage. So you know, you just wonder, like, is um, you know, is that a factor? Um, and then you know, look at their their playing tape now. Um, more than likely, all you know, all respect to athletes, yeah. good chance it's going to be tape. And you know, if you look at those games, go back, go all the tape games. The last, you know, it was, it was an incredible rivalry in the middle of the last decade. You know, they met in um in the 2020 championship in the Gaelic grounds there's nothing in that game there's going to be nothing in that match so and then you know you win that Joe then you have to get it up again for, for Limerick in a semi-final um, you know as you said if they win that they have to go again in a final can they do that you know the the, the form lines would suggest that they can't but mm. then again look there's still a lot of experience in the team um, it must be very frustrating for Henry this was the biggest criticism you would have had of Galway you know prior to this year's league really even during this year's league was the kind of lack of identity around the team you know, you were kind of saying, well, you know, are, are they a mirror image of their manager? You would have said that, you know, I'm sure Henry was some of those league games, especially the core performance. He must be nearly tearing his hair out saying, like, you know, what's the story or where is this inconsistency coming from? You know, they went down to Clare, you know, beat Clare well in the league game in Ennis. Um, and you were kind of, in fairness then, I suppose, look at the, the team is settled, right? Compared to maybe, uh, you know, that that's one thing that they've, they have in the team. They've, you know, pretty set look about it, but they still struggle, Joe, to have that, Consistency, and that was an issue with Galway before they won the All Ireland in 2017. Yeah, that was the biggest thing that Mihal brought to them, you know, during those two years was that consistency. So, um, you know, can they find it again? Like it's a big, big ass Nojo with three to win the All Ireland is going to take three big performances, you know, for a team that haven't really shown that level of consistency in those big games. David, I've noticed uh, from your fellow former teammates a real outpouring of happiness on Killian Buckley's part. Yeah. his 12th season never scored a championship goal before this is worth about 30 championship goals I would think um, he's had a lot of hi- uh, trouble with injuries his hip I think and, and probably various other parts of the body as well give us an insight into a fellow like Buckley on the road for 12 seasons not necessarily rolling off the tongue when we're talking about Kilkenny over the last decade uh, first of all he's probably the, the most genuine lad you could meet uh, honestly after the match there's just 
regardless of the result, just the happiness from, about Killian Buckley scoring the winner. He is, I, I would, I'd, I'd say I'd argue if, if management had remained, I don't know whether a few of those lads there yesterday, Wally, Killian, Connor, whether they would have stayed on. So ironically enough, just the change of management has brought a whole new lease of life and you can see it in Killian. Killian's the kind of lad, he's, he's extremely dedicated in everything he does. He has a, Jesus, he nearly has a physique or a body like a Greek god. The man looks after himself incredibly well. He's the kind of lad, you know, if you were having a give him a role, he'd take the old dough out of the middle. Yeah. You know, and everything that he does, he's that meticulous in everything that he eats as well. I spoke to him there a few weeks ago and he was, uh, he, I said, is there anything kind of different? He seemed very happy in himself and how things were going and he just kind of went, I'm just enjoying it again. I'm just enjoying it. I'm probably not putting as much effort. No, sorry, wrong word. I'm not putting as much uh, pressure on myself anymore i'm just starting to relax a little bit and he would have been like that in the past if we i know after 2013 when we lost to galloway or to cork in the quarterfinal everyone went out you know and went on to bruce springsteen killian wouldn't he would take it very much to heart after a loss um he was always like that but but just to see him scoring a goal ironically enough it's gonna it's it's i'd say his, his fiance is probably pissed off enough because uh he's booked his he booked his wedding thinking the All-Ireland final was on the same date as 2022. We booked it for the week after it. But it's now the actual, his, uh, his wedding is going to be the day before the All-Ireland final. So he's after making a bags of it. And then to go along and score the goal to basically put them within one one game away from having the worst uh, night of his wedding. Uh, it's interesting enough. It's, yeah. The, the Sorry, he's, he's, he's still getting married, is he? He's still, yeah. <laughs> it's be interesting. Because he's the kind of person that'd probably leave after the wedding and try and skip the meal. <laughs> He's a he's a lo- he's just a, he's just such a lovely lad, and just the energy he brought on. I haven't seen him move like that in ages. Like yeah, he was, he was great for the goal. Even the little step, you know, he was I mean lithe and moving well. He was, but like, yeah, no, he was. He took it well. Said the catch even earlier on. The shot was just such a hurt. Jesus, he didn't connect on it properly. No. And maybe he might say he did. It was a, a, spliced, a spliced miss hit, a dirty bouncy ball, and mm. four lads in the way of Ana Murphy like he. Everything that could have went wrong with the strike went wrong, but yeah. it was the most perfect strike because even if he'd connected properly, I say Grealish would have got it in the helmet. But because he mishit it, Grealish was gone past, and then it just it scutters in. But just even even the corner of emotion definitely would see all the lads jumping on him, and apparently, uh, you know, you'd see it on the big screen as well when lads were watching the back, they were all celebrating it twice when I'm out in the middle of the field, and then the big pile on, and even to see him emotional after the game was. Uh, it was lovely because I know how much it means to him. He really and truly is someone who has poured his heart into hurling with Kilkenny. Probably hasn't got the, the reward that he deserves because of the injuries. But yesterday is just, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful memory for him to take away whenever he retires. Okay, that's a magic insight. I do like to now imagine his fiance throwing her programme on the ground in disgust as the goal went in. <laughs> well, she's, a, she's a good Tullerone woman anyway, so she'd be delighted. But at the same time, it does add its own pressure now for the for the next match. Um, it's very striking, and so th- this is going to sound like a loaded question against Cody, and it's not, because the proof is in the pudding, and he's the most successful manager most of us will see in Gaelic games in our lifetime. But Derek Ling is so obviously a more personable character, even in his media dealings. Uh, what you know through the grapevine, your sense of the environment, the Cody environment versus the Ling environment what, what would be the big differences week to week David do you suspect I'd say first of all Derek Ling deserves huge credit for the fact that he um, normally when a management team kind of come in they, it's it's clean slate or they might keep on to one or two Derek was very shrewd in what he did he kept on to 
Connor Phelan. There's not too many out and out coaches, top quality coaches in Kilkenny to the level with senior intercounty experience, but Connor Phelan was one of them. So he kept on to Connor Phelan, he kept on to uh, Mickey Comerford, SNC, Jerry Fitz, psychologist, Noreen, the nutritionist back in again, obviously Racker, Kitman, uh, Nathan Coulson as well with SNC as well, um, Tyg, John Cairns. He kept on to a lot of the medical and the backroom staff, um, which obviously straight away puts him on good stead then. Uh, heading into the new year that they all know, he knows that the management team behind the scene know exactly what these players are, are dealing with, that you're not coming in and three three months into it, you find out that, that a certain player done his cruciate, that, you know, their new physio or the new, the new S&C coach uh, is finding out this, that he hit the ground running, but he is such a, Derek is a lovely lad. Michael Rice is a, is a fantastic lad as well. Connor Phelan, I wouldn't personally know Peter Barry too well now, but just, they they are like even after the match yesterday, seen Derek Lane with the biggest smile on his face, running out celebrating, getting over into the huddle, yeah. giving Killian a, a big hug after the match after the Leinster final. It is different. I, I know I kind of I've said it before, but like when you kind of compare it to the 2014 when we celebrated the semi final against Limerick and we were told to get the f off the field uh, by management, you know, like as in like don't be showing weakness. Yeah, definitely a, tough, a tougher school for sure. Uh, yeah, but just enjoy enjoy it. Enjoy the celebrations. The lads down in, in in front just taking the photographs and just even last night they're out there with uh, Mikey Carey as well outside the hospital as well with the cop. It's just there's just there seem to be a very together group. It is it's a it's a group where he's extremely approachable, um, Derek Link. He's just a lovely lad that way that you, you definitely can. Even when he was selector for years, he is someone that would geez, he'd say hello to you and he he'd have a, an open conversation with you and he was yeah, look, he's been there and he's done that as well. And he was always that kind of player with Kenny that everyone has a massive amount of respect for because he was that workhorse in midfield. Everyone has respect for Derek Ling. Yeah. Um, and he's brought that to it. And you just, the general sense that I would get is how are things in, inside the setup? And it just, players love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. They're buzzing to go into training. It looked that way. Him running on the pitch, it just all spoke of very happy together uh, kind of camp. And again, that's not a word against Cody because how can you speak against what he achieved in the game? Christy, uh, give you a final word on the Leinster final. Uh, the Kilkenny stock for you? Yeah, look at Joe. Um, like David made a very good point there about you know the, the four week gap and like like when Kilkenny were at their peak, Joe. You know, I suppose when they were in their prime under Cody, like the, the biggest advantage they had was you know they knew like it was almost like every year they had that four week break. Um, sometimes a five week break. Like they had it down to perfection. You know where they go off in a training camp nearly the same time, same maybe weekend. You know they they go back to play club matches. And obviously, it's changed now because there isn't any club games on anymore. But like I think even that they've they've had that now. Like you know that they know this terrain again. Like this is their fourth Leinster final in a row, and obviously to take out the twenty twenty championship. Um, so like they're comfortable with that four week break now, and they know exactly as was how to get it right. Um, and you know they have it. They have guys to come back from yesterday that missed yesterday with injury and. You know, you said Adrian Mullen coming back. Um, yeah, they're in a really good place, but um, where the, where might they be more. short? Where might they be short for you, Christy? Well, like I, I think for the the big thing with Kilkenny is right is that you know you, you look at the go- the goals that Galway um, conceded yesterday. You know, I I don't think you'd, you'd have seen that from Kilkenny. Um, like they're just they, they just seem to be hard to break down. Now you could say that Galway still scored what two twenty six yesterday, yeah, um, which is a lot. But like you, you always feel the weekly Kenny that you're going to need goals to beat them. Um, 
And like this was a team like Clare, a team like Tipperary, um, you know, that could run at them. You know, um, you, you still wonder, Joe, is there caveats there? But like, you know, when you, when you look at what Clare last year, you know, in that semi-final, Clare's never got out of the blocks. They just never physically, emotionally were at the races that day. And I think, like, obviously Clare have a lot to do to, to get back to that to that stage. They have to, you know, give every respect to Carlo. Don't have to go to Carlo. If it's Dublin in the quarterfinal, that's going to be a tricky, tricky game for Clare. You know, an experienced management team, guys that have won all Ireland's with Gola before, you know, in that managing Dublin in that scenario. But I think if, if Clare can get over that game, Joe, like you, you would ask, you know, you'd ask Clare this morning, you know, if you were to say to them, back to the start of the year, right, you're in the middle of June, you've got to beat Dublin and continue to get to a final. I think that, you know, they, they'd, fancy, they'd fancy a crack at that. Now, the, the question is, how, how are they going to respond from yesterday? Nobody knows that. Um, and I think if Clare can um, get to that stage and meet Kilkenny in the semi-final, I think Clare will be much better prepared, much better. You know, you look at the way Mikey Butler tied up Tony Kelly last year. You know, um, you, you'd imagine that won't happen again. Um, and just, uh, I think Clare could ask questions of Kilkenny Joe that Gola didn't ask yesterday. Okay. Not enough for them anyway. Okay. We'll take a short break. I do want to talk to you about the Munster final, obviously. Uh, Christy O'Connor and David Herity staying with us. Back in one sec. Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. Now you're welcome back. Happy to say we have David Herity with us, Five All Ireland's with Kilkenny, uh, Kildare manager these days, and Christy O'Connor, journalist and author. We were mainly focused on the Leinster final before the ad break, fellas. Let's talk Munster. I mean, it, it, on the uh, lack of freeze at the end for Clare. Like on the one hand, David, it's a big talking point. On the other hand, everybody agrees that the freeze should have been given. So what more can you say? And what's more, uh, Claire, if they're being honest with themselves, will have other issues to address as as to why they lost that game. But we have to know that nonetheless, like they really can feel aggrieved with the lack of freeze at the end. It's a, it's a sickening way to lose a match. Probably had two freeze in there. Yeah, I, t- I thought the the last the last chance. If you're running into four Limerick lads, like and hurling, unfortunately, GEA as a whole does a does a an awful epidemic coming into to GEA at the moment of of lads diving and taking freeze and throwing off the helmet. But like, if you're coming into three three big Limerick lads, you've got to throw a head back. You got to look like you're after getting hit. But just to to jump off the two feet and go straight into three Limerick lads. You're the, I, I knew as soon as he actually had done it, I went, no, nah, you're not getting that free. Like You've got to put the head back, shoot the head back. It's a bit of cuteness and he just didn't have it. The Tony Kelly thing, I suppose the only thing is, obviously, we did see it at the time. The ball had shot off and it was a slightly over to the yeah. behind him. I'm it was, sure it was hard to see in real time. I didn't spot it at first. Yeah. yeah, the referee, I'm sure, was just watching the ball and waiting for... Like you're Obviously, your eyes are on the ball and not what's happening over here. Yeah. Like How many times, I know you say in, in, in rugby and you saw it in the the Heineken Cup, uh, that obviously the the last second, the, there's the red card that happened there for Nensel, because that went again, that wasn't spotted in real time. That was spotted, obviously, yeah. obviously on VAR. So it's, it is unfortunate for the ref. The biggest, I'd say, Claire, don't, you know, and I know Christy wrote, wrote about this there today in, in his column, it's always brilliant column to read, how the, you know, the free-taking was, was 45% that they had it. Um, you just can't, it comes back to other things. The game, you had chances there in the second half. Um, 
especially in that fourth quarter there where they just didn't take their chances. Mm. Like you can hide behind the free, but there were chances to actually get back and win that game. And it is it is just unfortunate that the game ended the way it yeah. was. Even the, to blow up the short puck out and that the pitches invaded. I thought the referee, it just, I don't know what would have happened. Obviously, he would have went to extra time and would have thrown the Leinster final completely out of shoot there. But it was nearly, it's just, it's extremely disappointing for Clare when games end on a, on that kind of a knife edge where it's a referee decision that everyone's talking about. A bit like the Dublin Cork minor football match uh, from the pre, from Saturday. So what I'm taking from this is, is it right that David Herity does diving training with the Kildare Hurlers? What, once a month you work on it, David, or a bit more often than that? We got done a few times there this year where lads were taking dives and I'm just thinking, are, you know, are we naive or is it just what's going on? Like, how how are we the ones that, again, don't seem to uh, get those frees? But it's a bit of cuteness. It's, it's, it is that bit of cuteness out there uh, to try and win a free and the ability to be able to win a free from any... You look at, obviously, Aaron Galan and the, the penalty that he got against Cork as well from holding on to the hurdle. Yeah. Like it's that bit of cuteness that they seem to have. And uh, unfortunately for Clare, yes, they didn't have it. Well, spoken like a true manager, because Brian Lowen said the same thing. We don't tend to get those uh, decisions. I wonder, do all managers feel that we don't tend to get those decisions? Um, it, it honestly is it's always that fine line between, uh, lads, if you get hit, go down. And lads, you stand up to that man today. You know, yeah. that kind of a... If you know if he hits you, you, you make sure you stand up to him rather than geez, you get a hit, you get go down. Like it's 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 a fine balance, and I'm, I doubt Brian Lowen is going to talk about going into a Munster final and backing down. Um, Chris, I'm I'm curious. So you've you've mentioned a few times, like you weaved it through a conversation. You have concerns of, uh, clearly about what the Round Robin Munster Provincial Championship has taken out of these teams. You can sort of spin this a whole bunch of different ways. Like the optimistic viewpoint from a Clare point of view. Claire point of view would be they were pretty profligate Lowen talked afterwards about a 50% conversion rate give or take Limerick up around 70% they had 12 wides 10 either blocked or dropped short or were saved um, so you're talking what 22 plus um, chances out of 44 created so they'll feel like we left plenty out there uh, we really should have had at least extra time Connor Cleary's shoulder gets another couple of weeks to rest up uh, we've gone toe to toe with Limerick, no problem. Fellas, we're in great shape here. Yeah, and look, at, let's be honest about it, Joe. Right? If if um, clear to win the All Ireland this year, you know you're going to have to beat Limerick three times, right? So you're going to beat them three times, well, fairly unlikely. So now you're kind of saying, well, look at yeah, we still have a chance. Can, can you get them in a final? Now, I I still think if if Limerick are going to be caught, I think it's going to be the semi final. And you've seen that in the last couple of years, where you know they have the four week break. Um, like Limerick are still not operating at the levels they were, right? Now they're great champions to just find a way, Joe. Like you look at so many of those players, some of their forwards yesterday. Like, you know, you couldn't like Tom Morrissey has been their probably their best forward all year, you know, didn't have a good game yesterday by his standards. Gerard Hagerty's still not operating at that level. Graham Mulcahy, um, you know, not at that level. Like they've really come in yesterday, it was effective. Aaron Galeam was obviously unbelievable. Shame Slanigan was on the ball very little yesterday. But like, you know, you go back to the last year's Munster final where Galan did a lot of the heavy lifting for Flanagan, who got eight points. Flanagan did a lot of that yesterday, especially the way he created the space for Galan. And so he much kind of a flip scenario, really, from last year. Um, and they're not scoring, you know, they're not scoring as much as they were last year, but they're still finding a way, Joe. Like, they're still, they're grinding it out. Um, and they're so hard to beat in tight games. Like, you go back to their, their last nine games, okay, they were beaten by Clare in the wrong Robin this year. They drew with Clare last year in the wrong Robin. They drew a tip this year. But, like, the stick. Six, the six games they've won out of those nine they've won it by one score they've won the three games they've won this year 
in Munster by two points, by a point once. They become experts at winning these tight games, but I still think that there's, you know, they're they're not operating at that level. Um, now, if they get to a finals, nearly going to be half impossible to beat them because they're just they 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 found that you know groove of producing their best performance in the All Ireland final. Mm. Um, so yeah, like the, their Limerick are. Like if you go back to it yesterday, Joe, like the killing thing for Clare, you can go on about um, the freeze. You know, I've definitely felt that Tony won't, should, should have been a free. Now, Liam Gordon is looking at the play. Probably he's not looking at Tony because it's it's not directly involved in the play. Yeah. But um, like the conversion rate really, like for me, the third quarter summed it up. Like the conversion rate was 30% in the third quarter. With Limerick, it was up on 90% in that period. That's where Limerick really took control of the game. And Christy, has, has, um, has a poor conversion rate been a bit of a theme with Clare or was yesterday a particularly bad day at the office? Well, it definitely wasn't in the like in the round robin that like Clare's conversion rate was like Limerick Saturday was fifty percent. Clare's was forty eight yesterday. It was forty two in the second half when Limerick's was sixty five. Right. Um, and like that day in 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 the Gaelic grounds, like Clare's conversion rate when it was really decisive late on in the in the tour in the last quarter, I think it was something like up on got to seventy percent. Like you know, thirty percent in the third quarter. Yes, it was when the game really got away from. Now it was better in the in the fourth quarter. Um, but you know, like turned over a lot of ball in, in that four quarter. You look at, I suppose, the turnover rate yesterday, Joe, probably went up 33% in the second half. A lot of that, from a clear perspective, was you know, you look at the way Limerick upped that intensity, the way they mount the ball, they physically turn over the tackle. Clear turned over a lot of ball from like long deliveries, you know, ramming it down the throats of Limerick halfbacks, which is which is exactly what they want. But like as I said, it clear did finish the game very positively with, with a lot of momentum. I said there was a threat that the game could, could get away from them. They were right there. Yeah. So um they they would feel like that there's a lot more in them. There's a lot more in a lot of those players. Yeah, they, they, they don't feel like they're in the Galway situation at all here, Christy. No, no, definitely not. And I think Joe, look at I, I mentioned it last year. Or last year there was huge regrets about um you know, this was the way the year finished for Clare because, you know, when you, when you look back on it, they had a great year. They were unbeaten in the round robin. They were you know, beaten really over 70 minutes in the Munster final. Got beaten an extra time. When, you know, when they looked at their numbers afterwards, sure, they, they realised what, you know, the energy they expended, the emotional, physical energy. Like, they should have been beaten by Wexford, let's be honest about it, in the quarterfinal. You know, went into the, the semi-final against Kilkenny, just never got out of the traps. Um and I think, look, there's probably a lot of lessons to be learned from that. Um, and I think Claire will still feel, Joe, like, look, at they're, they're as good as anyone, you know, and um, that, you know, Killian Buckley mightn't have to worry about the wedding yet. Like, you know, so yeah. that's what Claire would definitely be thinking. Um, on the Limerick-Claire work rate point, it was very interesting after after the Claire win in the Ren Robin stages, Kylie came out and said they outworked us. And uh, Ray Boyne had the stats of yesterday that basically in the, in the Claire win, on the hooks, blocks, tackles um, metric, Clare were ahead by just over 10 and Limerick managed to reverse that yesterday and they were ahead by 10. So that was clearly part of Limerick's thinking alongside the Clare um, wastefulness. David, there was something I wanted to ask you about, I guess as a coach, and obviously you've been in, in those brilliant Kilkenny dressing rooms as well. So the third quarter, Christy mentioned, won eight to three points in favour of Limerick. And that's not the first or last time I think that they'll win a third quarter. And John Kiley said afterwards, it's something we go after. I kind of find that odd as well at the same time. Like, would you not go after it in every quarter? I mean, like, I I don't really feel you can head out to the start of a Munster final and say, 
go at 80% lads and remember we got the third quarter in our back pocket I find this very strange that teams are even daring to pick and choose quarters no but at the same time if you're if you're to say before a match um, there's always kind of that discussion I've talked about before you can say as much as you want and kind of rile teams up as much as you want before you go out to a match but then as soon as they go out they have half an hour of jogging and sprinting and a bit of pucking here and then extending the shooting over the bar so regardless of how good your Braveheart speech is, it's it's all gone by the time the actual ball is thrown in. Whereas you can really go, you can really get an effect at half time if you question the team's character. If you're talking about, like for instance, Dave outworked us in the first half, and you're going pointing at someone, you could point at Gerald Hegarty and go, "What's that about?" Like, you can piss a lot of people off at half time and really go after it, and then you get an impact. As soon as they go onto the field, they can actually show you what they can do. So it's, uh, mm. I'm not surprised if if that is the case. But I'm sure, look, they, they do go out to give it absolutely everything, but it's just at halftime especially, you can pinpoint, you have the stats, they have a load of stats, they're, they're men obviously feeding them information. You can just, obviously, you get your KPIs in there, it could be five KPIs there, it could be tackles, it could be conversion rate, it could be shots created, whatever it is, but you can just go after one thing, just give me one thing that I can absolutely nail these few lads on. And again, it could be the forwards. And you're going straight after them. And again, then when you have a bench like they have a bench, you can easily kind of have that threatened as well. So it, yes. it's a bit. It, they're, 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 that's why the third quarters for certain teams, certain teams actually work because they have the stats, they have the bench as I suppose threatening, and you can really get out of that. You can piss a lot off very, very, very well at halftime. Fair enough. Um, Limerick is such an interesting place at the moment. And David, like Christie, summed up his sense: they're not quite where they were. But they're obviously going in the right direction. I think this year they're improving game on game. Um, it's so. I mean, w- this championship is now so so much more interesting than I think many of us thought it was going to be after the league final when Limerick looked like uh, everybody was at arm's length. It's now very clear. Lots of teams aren't quite at arm's length anymore, and yet by the same token, geez, Limerick. That's twelve finals on the bounce. Talk about a team who know how to win. So your sense of. Limerick's place in this All-Ireland series as it stands? I think the fact that Keane Lynch still has to come back is obviously going to have a massive bearing. Like The reason why these some of these games are extremely tight is because they don't have that magician there at number 11 pulling the strings, the, the double player of the year. I, I think the fact that they still have him in the locker is is key. I do think the semi-final is going to be a, a massive game. I think I, I kind of fancied all year that if anyone was going to take them down, it would be Tipperary. I just think their ability to be able to run the confidence that they, the self-confidence that they always seem to have, the confidence of the manager. Uh, I, I just, I got the feeling. Obviously, Tipperary have to get over Offaly, and they have to potentially get over Galway. But I think I agree with Christy that if, if anywhere they're going to get caught, it's a semi-final. That always does seem to be the one place where you can catch a team that's on a roll. Why is that? It's interesting you both think that. Why is that? there's nervousness about it. you're not in the final but in the final you can give absolutely everything and you're there and you're able to enjoy the build up and, and you've just had a one you've had a wonderful build up you've had your I suppose all the glamour of getting the, the suited and booted and the 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 build up to a final is just a special occasion and you know you're going to have a full house and it's just the kind of the banquet afterwards it's just it's an occasion but the semi-final is just it, it's the final is there and it's within touch and distance and you just you're so bloody hungry to kind of get back. Like, Jesus, what would happen if you just got back to the final? It just It's all the, 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 the amazing things that happen because you get to a final. Sometimes that can just cause a little bit of nervousness there. Um, it's the four-week gap as well can often 
do that as well yeah. because you are a small bit ring rusty. You don't know where you're at because you could be after coming off a game. Like just say the Clare game there, Limerick mightn't be happy of it. So where really are Limerick in terms of they drew a tip, they obviously lost to Clare as well. They barely got over Cork. Like it, sometimes there can be a bit of you don't know exactly where you're at mm. at that stage as well. Whereas in the final, you've just come off the bat of a of an outstanding semi final every victory, and you know exactly where you're at then. Christy, I'm really curious for your thoughts on, so we talked about the freeze and we talked about uh, Claire's shooting. The other area that they'll reflect upon, you would suspect, is the damage that Galan did for the first 50 minutes of this game. And that it was at that point that they took off Keane Nolan in for Cleary and his importance, I think, is, you know, uh, further underlined and they'll be doing everything they can to sort out that shoulder. So at first glance, you say, well, Keane Nolan's not tight enough to Galan. But then I think... You, you watch this developing and Conlon's being dragged up away up the pitch and you kind of think, well, like, there's a degree of Keane Nolan here being a lamb to the slaughter. And I mean, can anyone mark Galan effectively when he has that much space and that quality of ball going into him? Very, very difficult, even for the goal. Like, it, I didn't feel Nolan was standing off Galan as such dramatically. Now, the argument, obviously, uh, against Lowen not moving quicker is that once the change was made, Galan didn't score again from play. So that, that's that's an area Claire really need to think about. Uh, Nolan's performance, first of all, and, and the extent to which you know he was culpable, or the extent to which he was uh, thrown to the wolves a touch, Christy. Yeah, well, look at Joe. I suppose you know you have to look at I suppose the quality ball has gone in first, and all it's a basic cliche kind of response. But like really, with the likes of Galan and these guys, it you know you you can't play from the front, Joe. Because if you do win the ball, like Galan is very good in the air from behind. Ball goes in behind your yeah, pot. He loves if you that. Get too tight, if you get too tight to a guy like Galan, he can turn you that bit quicker. If you look at even Keane Nolan's body position for the goal, he was tight. Now he did maybe get caught on the outside a little bit. Yeah. But um, like in fairness to the, the Sunday game, as that like they did show the high behind. Don Lowe showed it very well in the Sunday game, whereby like John seemed to be deeper up up the field as opposed to you know sitting back maybe that bit more. Now look at I suppose the, the way it is has been with Clare and Emmerich, Joe, is that. Clare have they believe that they have the physical capacity to go man to man with Limerick, you know, and they're the one team that they feel they can physically front up to Limerick, and that's grand to a point. Now, we, we, I suppose it's a little bit different when you lose a guy like Conor Cleary because you go back to that monster final last year, where um, you know, like it was, it was Flanagan who did all the damage last year. Um, now Galan did a lot of damage as well, but like I suppose you like, you can imagine Aaron Galan's mindset when Conor Cleary is named to start. And then he finds out that Conor Cleary is not starting. And you have a Keane Nolan, who's a very good player, and who, who is a physically strong player. But, you know, you need somebody like for Galan. Now, I would have felt that, OK, but Keane, he was on a yellow card after 30 minutes. You know, um, it, it is crying out for a change. Like, mm-hmm. you have your two cornerbacks, who are Adam Nolan um, and, you know, Rory Hayes. Uh, sorry, Adam Hogan and Rory Hayes were playing really well. You know, it, it, is that a case where, you know, you make the switch there? You try and you know maybe give the responsibility to one of them. Like I, they, they did bring on Shane Amory, who did have a fine game. Like it, you know, I suppose with Shane, really, you know, you kind of need somebody like a really, a real kind of a dog for Galan. You know, was Shane that type of a player? Like you know, Paul Flanagan went in, who was a very experienced player. Like Claire definitely did seem to get it right. Um, but you know, the, 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 I suppose the big questions asked was why do you leave it that long when you have a guy who was going in and who was not had, doesn't have the same level of experience that O'Connor Cleary has. But, you know, like Galan and these guys, like Galan is, he's an expert. Like, because you, you try and keep him outside. It's supposed to be Galan. 
you try not to concede a goal. You keep him outside, he'd shoot all day from the outside. He's one of the best guys to shoot over his shoulder, Joe, that you've ever seen in the game. So you are going to, no matter how many balls, it can land at what, 11 possessions, 11, 12 possessions. He was fouled for three frees. He gets one three. Could have had another goal. Yeah. Like, really, like, you know, Dale mentioned it on Saturday and he's calling him like that. If Conor Cleary was there, he said he'd oh. fancy. If Conor, Conor Cleary was fit, he'd fancy Clare. If he wasn't, he'd fancy um, Limerick. And I suppose that's really, you know, that was a matchup that Limerick clearly identified. That Limerick, you know, you see the way Flanagan played further out the pitch, that they wanted to try and create as much space and open up, the, open up those channels, maybe pull Conlon out a bit higher. To give, you know, you know, the, and the way things work out, you know, every team is getting information somewhere. They probably the fear dear Conor Cleary was not going to start. Limerick said, look at this, where we're going to win the game. And did, did Clear manage that situation as well as they possibly could? You'd have to say, you'd have to say no. Yeah. I, uh, David, found myself thinking back to that 2016 on Ireland hurling final, Kilkenny Tip, where I can't remember, you know, names necessarily, but like the two Kilkenny defenders were left two on two, acres of space in front of them. And it was like inevitable conclusion. And I'm sure Keane Nolan could have done better. But I did find myself thinking, well, look, Cleary's not there. Maybe you do need to adjust your tactics and protect a bit more. Like if you were in the goal, would you not have been screaming for some cover? Yeah, it was actually Joey Holland. Yeah, and Seamus Callan. I think Seamus got nine points. That's right. That yeah. Day. And there was very little he could do that day on him. There was. Yeah. No, the, the big thing, obviously, look, Brian Lowen had his full trust and belief in, in who he chose to start. But I, I would have thought once the yellow card happened, uh, you know, then you then you have to change because you can't have Galan running knowing that the, that as Markham is going to have a yellow card. Every single ball that's going to come in, he's going to take you on. He's clever enough to know that. It's a bit like Owen Cody yesterday every time that... Uh, you know, he knew Mannion was on a, a yellow card and ran at him and then got another couple of frees. He knew he could he, that Mannion couldn't actually get those tackles in. So it's uh, that, I'd say after 45 minutes, that should have just been that gone. Uh, whipped straight away. And uh, I'd say that's the thing that's probably going to... Sometimes as well, though, on the management side of things, when you when you make a, a ballsy enough decision that this is who I'm going with and I'm, I'm, I'm putting this man on their main man yeah. and then all of a sudden it's not going well, sometimes it's hard to swallow your own pride and go, OK, I made a bag to that and got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. Um, Christy, uh, this is like feels like one of the more celebrated uh, years of hurling. Dennis Walsh did a piece a while back about like this being a golden age. And I mean, right through the Munster Championship, we seem to be just served feast after feast. What would you say in terms of like a historical context as someone who looks at the stats and who um, obviously just has a great feel for the game as well? Are we watching something very, very special at the moment and, and, and give us your, your sense of why that is. Yeah, like I would definitely feel, Joe, like that um, if you if you go through it forensically, you have to you have to say that this was probably the, the greatest Munster Championship ever. And when you go back to 2018, which, you know, was a, that was the first year of their own Robin and that was an incredible year as well. Like, you know, you, you look at it and, you know, go through it, like 19 was not a good Leinster, cha- was not a good Munster Championship. 20 obviously was different. It was, yeah. you know, the old kind of system was not was average. Twenty one was was okay. Um, last year there was still you know there's still a lot of you know it wasn't the same quality. Um, like I, I think like that you know the, if you, if you go through look look at how competitive it is. If if Cork and Limerick had drawn, um, it would have been a Cork Clare much to find. Yes, and Tip would be gone out of the championship. Like you know the, the jeopardy is there is just off the charts. Yeah. It's it's just uh um and this this goes back to the point I made like that you know I think that was something that from from Limerick 
from Limerick's perspective, Joe, that I was a little bit surprised that they went for the league. Now, John Kiley said that it was that was the player's decision, but you knew well that every game Limerick played in Munster was going to be a huge event. You know, the first two games were lucky to, to, to beat Waterford. Like, you know, they were, okay, Waterford were, were, Limerick were down 14 men. But, like, that was the first time, you, you know, you saw it probably Limerick dictated to tactically in a championship match in, in a long time. You know, obviously lost their second game to to um to Clare. Um, and I suppose that kind of gave a different feel as well, Joe, that people, you know, suddenly realised, well, this is not going to be the, the the walkover that everybody expected it to be after the league final. Um, and, you know, what, no, like Limerick have, they've had to go to the well, they've drawn a tip, they've had to go to the well to beat Cork by a point, to beat Clare by a point. The big, the, the big prize for them is the four-week break now. Um, yeah, like, you still feel that the Leinster teams, Kilkenny in particular, are, look, are sitting back now and they're in a happy enough spot. I think the biggest thing from, from a hurling perspective, Joe, there's no question that the, the, the standard, the quality, the execution levels, the skill, everything is gone to new levels. But I still think that there is an issue like that. The game, and this is tied into the 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 you know the, the final moments of the Munster final yesterday, the game has nearly become impossible to referee. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's like, okay, Liam Gordon, you know, and I suppose the other thing is you've had a, since you've had a few big retirements in hurling, you you really have a dearth of high quality referees. Okay, so like the game is well, it's never been at a, in in some in in a better spot in so many ways. Like it's it's actually becoming nearly impossible to referee. You know, that is an issue. Like so, like how do you get around that? Like we'll say because you know the players now are conditioned to take the ball into contact, they're conditioned to break the tackle. The players have the have the ball in their hand so much now, and that feeds into this. You know. Um, this craze of turnovers, you know, so down the line, you know, I think that Hurling is in a brilliant place. I still think it, it has somewhere to go. Now, you know, where, where does that go to make it even better again, to make it more where there's more contests? I know you've had this debate on the show plenty of times before where there isn't as many contests as you'd like. You know, there was a rule brought into the, in the trial in the National League in 95 where you could only take possession, you could only have the ball in your hand for one possession, you know, is, is, do we need to look at something like that again? So to answer your question, probably the greatest monster challenge, which sounds like a, a kind of a contradiction in what I'm saying, Like, but I still think that Hurling has a few questions to ask Joe to make it even a better product than what it is. And there's no question that it's an absolutely incredible product. I just, I'd like to even think, like to even know what Dave thinks of that because, you know, that's the that, that is the problem. The game is becoming just nearly unrefereable in so many instances. Well, he's coaching. I, I he's, he's coaching diving week in week out in Kildare. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> Sorry, <laughs> certainly I'm not. The, I don't see why uh, you don't have referees as umpires. I, it's beyond me how you how one of or whoever it is, it could be your mom, it could be your brother or sister, it doesn't make a difference, that you could go along and uh, don't have a top-quality inter-county ref, pay them, and make sure that you have extra eyes and ears then at a match, and they're able to make decisions. Ball comes in there, it could be, for instance, it could be, uh, just say, get back to that Galan penalty there when it came to the, the Cork match, to, to go along and be able to walk in, and the referees know everything. They know yeah. the decisions, they know the, the actual rules of the game. All it is, like, if you look at it, Again, if you look at soccer, you have the two, everyone that's there are proper referees that are officiating, the, the linesmen, the extra, the, the fourth official. Why can't uh, 
why can't in Ireland that especially when the ball is moving as quick as he as it is with the decisions that they have to make um why they just can't have four referees there as umpires extra uh, it, it I think to me it's the it's a simple answer to uh Rather than getting the two the two referees out in the field, I just think I don't know how the hell that would work. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah. And having referees are top quality, any sort of referees whatsoever that know the rules of the game, have them as umpires rather than just your mate down the ball. Yeah, it's a good start. Here's a terribly unfair question, David, given that the provincial uh, championships have come to a close. If you're giving out hurler of the year today, who is it? Oh Jesus. Um she'd ha- you'd have to say Galan. Yeah, I'd say or Tom Morrissey. I know he didn't have the the best of games there yesterday. I'd say you'd have to go with the two of them. Could Kenny have had you all had another outstanding game there yesterday? And Paddy Deegan probably from the the could Kenny side of things, but I don't think Kenny's team is is settled enough at the moment. They've had a lot of injuries. They've had lads coming in and out. That's probably the the biggest question mark over Kenny or the, what they'll be happy enough with for the next four weeks to try and nail down their team. But if I was going for him, I'd probably go you, Paddy. Aaron Galan or Tom Morrissey, yeah. Yeah, Christy? Yeah, I think, look, you'd have to say that Galan is really a mirror reflection of of Limerick in the championship, Joe, like that, you know, struggled a bit, go a bit early on in the campaign, like even today against clearing the row, Robin, like missed a couple of handy frees by his standards. But, you know, you look at the way he's come back in, you know, the last few games and, you know, Tom, was, Tom Morrissey really was, was, what you'd say was Limerick's best player for so much of the, of the of the championship, when you look at the games that have been decided, Glenn has been key, and I think that Glenn probably, you know, you look at the way he has improved, the way Limerick have improved, and um, I think that they're they're getting better. Mm. They're sorry, they're not sorry, they're not operating at the levels they were, but they're still so hard to beat. You want to go back to that point about that they're experts to win at tight games. Um, not sure if they're going to win the All Ireland, but they're look. They're they're a great, great team. Like no, anyone who's watching this from Limerick is saying, "So great, so clear." It's not. They're they're an unbelievable team. Are they going to win the All Ireland? I'm still not 100 percent sure. Okay, it's all beautifully set up. The only set up. The only downside is uh, July 23rd is approaching far too fast, and then February feels like a long way away. But that's another conversation. We are out of time. David Herity, pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks, Joe. Thanks very much. Christy O'Connor, great to talk to you, Christy. Cheers. Pleasure, Joe. Thank you. Take care. There you go. That was David Herity, five-time All-Ireland winner with Kilkenny and uh, Kildare manager these days and Christy O'Connor, journalist and author uh, with us talking all things hurling and uh, should mention as well on that theme, Off the Ball have teamed up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors Board Gosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact hurling has on people's lives and for full competition details you can check out boardgoshenergy.ie forward slash BGE GAA. Hurling on Off The Ball With Board Gosh Energy Hurling, it's anyone's game